Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, coming to you from Cat Swamp Road, and hopefully the sound of my voice has everything going well for you in your operation, and maybe you're finishing up harvest, and maybe in some parts of the country or the world, you're putting in, the, you're starting to plant, right? So it's, uh, it's never-ending on the farm. You go from harvest to planting, and from planting to harvest, and over here, we only have one crop, obviously, but our second crop, which is not a cash crop, but a beneficial crop, is the cover crops. And we had a, uh, two or three mornings of frost, nothing too bad. Maybe, uh, I think th- this morning was 28, 29. I have to uh, look back in the instructions and see how to reset my Davis Vantage View weather station to uh, to show on the display screen without toggling through everything what the low temperature was over the night i have for the summertime or for the for the growing season i have it set up for the high temperature and then i want to sort of usually for the fall and for the winter i have it set up for the low temperature but you know they have all these these multi-function buttons and i can understand that because they have a lot of functions you need a whole a whole cadre of buttons like a like a fighter plane but uh, I, I every year or twice a year, I can never remember how to go in there and change it from from showing on the display screen. Obviously, if you toggle through it, you could get the low and the high. But showing on the display screen that I have set up a home screen, whatever you want to call it, that I would have the low temperature. So I have to get the instructions out and relook at that. And when I do look at it, I say, oh, this is simple. But then six months later, I forget. So who knows? That's like when I worked in the, in the Buick dealer when I was in college. And uh, the Rivieras, I forgot what body, but I think they called those E-bodies. But the Rivieras had, uh, the Riviera, the Seville, and the uh, Eldorado, but we were a Buick dealer. But they had rear disc brakes, and they had the parking uh back then it was a rarity to have rear disc brakes but they had the gm came up with a design where the parking brake was part of the caliper instead of a little like the corvette and other cars had a little little uh, like dr- a brake drum shoes that was part of the actually the, the rotor had a little drum on it and you had when you put the parking brake the emergency brake on you evoked those brake shoes so the caliper was totally independent of it and gm used the um, caliper as far as the parking brake was concerned. And then I met my wife, and then she had not a Riviera, she had a Regal, and 88 Regal at the time, and it was a few years old. But she bought it new, and uh, that had the same setup, and was always problematic. They used to tell you, well, if you use the parking brake, that the caliper won't freeze. Well, I instructed her to use the parking brake, and the caliper would always freeze. And then, like I said, when I worked in a Buick dealer, it was one of those things where you say, how do I do this? And uh, you didn't do it often enough to remember. A lot of times you remember just enough to get you in trouble. But uh, I don't know what was wrong with that design. Uh, When you looked at it, it looked like a good design, but it was a terrible (laughs) design because it always be, it was always problematic as far as the brake rear brake calipers seizing and with the parking brake mechanism even when you use the brake like gm said so what are you going to do but uh that's how my vantage view is that i can never remember how to do it until i look in a book and go ah that's so simple i should remember next in six months when i flip it over but i do not 
But what I want to do on a uh, more positive note than me trying to figure out how to set the home screen on my weather station is I need to give a big old hot rod farmer cat swamp road shout out to Glendon Zimmerman from Lidditz, Pennsylvania. And Glendon reached out to me the other day. He wrote a very nice letter. Thank you for that, sir. And uh, he's listening through the archives of the Idle Chatter podcast, which I uh, think is wonderful. Because as I say, as an educator, you want want people to listen to it and learn. And he is a um, a technician. It appears from what he told me, a very, very astute and accomplished technician. And he works at Binkley in Hearst which is a dealership group. I think they have three or four stores, but in Pennsylvania, they know they have one in Virginia. I think they have one in Delaware. Then they may have two in Pennsylvania or three. I'm not sure. But he he works there, and it seems like he's a Case IH technician. I know it's a multi-line dealership. They carry more than Case IH, and he does a lot of precision planting stuff and guidance things. So it's welcome aboard. It's a blessing to have him, and he's a he's a man after my own heart because he says he loves to learn, and he has a beautiful old I think it was a 1938. Forgive me if I'm wrong. 48. He sent me a picture. If I should have written it down before I did the show. A case tractor that runs on propane from the factory that he was sitting for a long time and he got it got it running and it looks beautiful and it's a, uh, a big propane deal so it's got that big big goonie propane tank that i think it was a 48 that they had on the uh, tractors when they ran them on propane back years ago but interestingly enough i hope to meet glendon this coming week so this show will drop on wednesday god knows when you'll listen to it but my idle chatter podcast always posts when i use the word drop on wednesdays and on Thursday of this week, which would be um, Veterans Day, Old Armistice Day, eleven eleven, and uh, I am going out to the dealership where Glendon works to Binkley and Hearst and Lidditz to uh, check out the new Massey Ferguson eight S tractor. So hopefully I get a chance. I sent him an email, and hopefully he's going to be there. I, it's, it, he goes out on the road from what he told me. And he travels all around the service farm equipment, goes up to Connecticut, which is quite a distance from Lidditz, Pennsylvania, goes out to Long Island. He comes over to my neck of the woods. So hopefully he will be there, and I get a chance to shake his hand. But I'm excited about going to CD8S, but I'm more excited now that I even know that one of my listeners was going works there. So uh, thank you so much for writing to me. Thank you for giving me a pin in the map in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, with your name on it. And God willing, I hope to see you over at the at the launch or the, the debut of the new Massey Ferguson 8S tractor over in Binkley and Hearst. So thanks. Looking forward to that. And uh, you know what else I want to tell you guys? And this this is, well, I shouldn't say it's not, it does, that doesn't have to do with anything. It does but you know over the years people thought i don't know i really don't know what they think of me uh, maybe they, they think i'm a zealot i'm a wacko or all, all of it in between but for for 40 years probably for more than 40 years i've been opening the hood on all my equipment even my lawn tractor when i shut it off and i've gone i've spoken to you guys about this many many times to, you're sick of hearing it like a soapbox preacher and about opening the hood and letting the heat out so that the engine and the but more importantly the components under the hood do not heat soak because as, as 
you know from at least from listening to this show that when you shut off an engine the underhood temperature actually escalates because the cooling system stops working so all of that heat all that btu of heat that is absorbed into the castings of the cylinder head the block the exhaust manifolds if it's turbocharged the turbocharger housing now elevates in temperature so it ramps up and then it starts to slow to cool back down so i've been opening the hood for more than 40 well i shouldn't say more than 40 for 40 years since i've been driving and um how i learned that learned out learned about that was that i was always a reader i loved reading and i used to read all old magazines and well they they were old when i was young, when i was reading them and i also read current magazines at the time and i used to read popular mechanics mechanics illustrated popular science uh car craft hot rod uh, what was it uh, uh, super stock magazine car and driver you name it motor trend i mean i had i was loved reading i loved reading about things so uh and tom mccahill who used to do the automotive parts of mechanics illustrated magazine and the road tests he was the one who back in i had an old magazine from the 50s that i think my uncle chris had that he gave to me and tom McHale spoke about even back in the 50s when there was hardly any heat soak under the hood there was heat soak but the underhood area was so large that he said that you should always open your hood and let the heat out especially on a newer car he was speaking about cars because everything is going to run hotter and he said back then he says your hoses will last longer your carburetor will last longer your ignition wires will last longer everything will last longer and i've done that and 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 science i should say you know engineering has proven that that is correct that whenever you could limit what we call in engineering the thermal excursions and obviously you can't do this all the time but limit the thermal excursions or how many how high they get and how many happens you're going to improve the life of components well the thing is that and over the years this has been proven to me time and time and time again with my own vehicles my own pieces of farm equipment even my lawn tractor and specifically the past 30 years or so with so many plastic connections and hoses and fittings under the hood is it's and, and more cramped space that it's gotten it's gotten accentuated well i had to work up my wife's car her old car the other day back in 1999 before we got married i bought charlotte as a present a 19 brand new 1999 escort zx2 they called it hot coop i think it was hot or cool there's some one was cool one was hot i think it was cool because it didn't have the spoiler but it had the moonroof anyway so i bought it as the x2 and we've had it since new and uh, she doesn't have that much miles on just just about just under two hundred thousand. but she used to do a lot of a lot of city driving and a lot of short trips and a lot of a short cycle driving so thus a lot of a lot of heat soaks you go a couple miles you shut it off you go a couple miles shut it off a lot of heat soaks but anyway but whenever we could i always opened the hood obviously when she didn't open the hood when she went to work with it or something or went to her mother's but whenever she was here i hope i would always open the hood and let the heat out and we used the car she has a, a new a newer escape we bought new in 2014 but she uses the the old escort it's a great car and i mean the body style has not aged itself and um uh, and she uses it to go to the store to go over here run around town so she doesn't have to uh expose the escape to um the parking lots but also this sentimental value because i gave it to her and i respect that and i honor that 
that I gave it to her as a, as a gift. And I brought it to school and I put a big heart on the windshield, whatever. And she came out and the car was there. So anyway, but I, had, I needed to do some work on it the other day to get it ready for winter. And I haven't tuned it up for many years. Now you can say, you're in a hot rod form, you haven't tuned it up for many years. Well, the thing basically is that it, it wasn't used much the past seven or eight years. And then, I mean, I would change the oil and everything on it. So I had bought, I had purchased new ignition wires for it about three years ago, new spark plugs at the same time, and a fuel filter, well, a fuel filter about a year ago. And uh, I guess that was it. And so I said, let me get it ready for the winter. The year has the original ignition wires on it. So from 1999, so they're what, 22-year-old wires, 23, almost 23-year-old wires. The spark plugs I put in it back in 2009 when I did the timing belt. So the spark plugs have about 80 and 90,000 miles on them. The, the uh, ignition wires are original, all right, and the fuel filter was about two years old or three years old. Because then again, like I said, she doesn't put much mileage on it. When she was using it all the time, I was at a more rigid maintenance schedule. So anyway, and the car ran beautifully. There was nothing wrong with it. But on um, every once in a while, I would want to stall for it. And I said, I know it is the idle air. Well, they call it auxiliary air valve, but idle air control is dirty. So I had to clean that. So anyway, so... I, the spark plug wires are 25 years old. They're beautiful. They're pliable. They're soft. I'm able to take them. It has that Z-Tech motor, which is double overhead cam, so they go down into the valve cover with a boot. Able to take them on and off. Car runs beautiful. Original coil on, original radiator, original water pump, everything on there. All right. Runs beautifully. Uh, put the put the spark plugs in. Pulled their motorcraft. I buy everything motorcraft. Pull the old plugs out. They're supposed to be, I think, uh, uh, I forgot what the gap was. I think fifty two or something. I think it's one point three millimeters, and they were right on. I mean, perfectly gapped, burning beautifully clean. Right, uh, did all that. But most importantly, the point that I'm getting to is that, you know, went to go take the idle air control out. It's a little bit awkward. It's not terrible. It's on the side of the intake manifold underneath it. And it's got, you know, the plastic connector on it. The plastic connector, beautiful. You push the tab with your finger. It doesn't crack. Comes right off easily. Everything comes off easily. So what I have to honestly say is that the wires lasted so long that all the, every connection I could take, any connection on and off that I want with no problem on that car is simply, well, first, high quality from Ford. But the second thing is, I guarantee no matter how, how, how high the quality is, that if I did not open that hood for the past 22 years and let the heat out, that it would be a nightmare to work on because everything that you would touch would break. So just keep that in mind. You know, you buy something new. Now, if you're going to buy something new and you're going to only keep it for two or three years and you're going to get rid of it and you say you don't care, that's not my attitude because I look at if the good Lord blessed me with the ability to have something, even if I don't plan on keeping it for 300,000 miles or 20 years, I still want to take care of it to the same level that I would if I wanted to keep it forever. But the, the you know the the take home message here 
is that if you're keeping equipment for a long time and it builds heat, whether it's a lawn tractor, whether it's a hay baler or whatever it may be, when you could let that heat out, it's going to pay dividends, but the dividends are going to come 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. They're not going to come in the first and second and third year because at that particular point, the degradation will not be that much. But once again, it was proven to me that that, that does work uh, he said everything is beautiful the rubber hose is beautiful i mean did change it about 12 years ago because she was using them to commute to work but i mean beautiful so there's a that really really does pay pay so just think about that all righty sorry i took so long telling you that story but what today's show is going to be out be about i'm just going to get a drink of water here so excuse me for a second okay <clears throat> okay thank you what today's show is going to be about is you know my wife has a saying if you have lemons make lemonade and you know don't complain you know make lemonade if you have lemons so this is not going to be a lemon show but my attitude basically is that if you have to take something apart because it broke or well i would say broke it failed let's make it better let's and what this focus is going to be on let's make more horsepower so with a hot rod farmers right we're going to make more horsepower so if you have to take it apart what other things we could do that while we have parts of the a part of the engine disassembled that we could make more power with it and whether it's a farm tractor whether it's a semi whether it's a pickup truck or what have you so that is what it's about today it's making more power because we had to take it apart whereas a hot rod it takes it apart to make more power but for some reason we have it apart and what can you do to make more power to modify something while it's apart but with this two caveats to this and possibly three but the first caveat being everything i'm going to recommend is it has to bolt right back in so in other words not saying we're because that's the whole thing when you're building a hot rod or building a race engine this doesn't fit that doesn't fit that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about you know taking part a out putting part a back in but modifying it to make more power and more power on a piece of farm equipment will usually translate into better fuel economy and and better productivity but we're gonna go power first fuel economy and then productivity so that's the first caveat is that we are that no no hot rotting here we're drilling welding grinding machining no 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 the, you know the cylinder head comes off the cylinder head comes back on all the bolts line up everything is that's all right that's the first caveat the second caveat being that i understand that the things that i'm going to suggesting are going to tie this piece of equipment up for longer than just an r and r would repair and re remove and replace so this is something if it happens to come up in an off season and uh you have the time say i'm going to make this better because there's no rush for me to get this back together i have two months to get it back together i'm not going to use this piece of equipment and and what have you so that is that is the second caveat and the third caveat being is that we're not going to diminish reliability and we're not going to spend a ton of money so some simple little things that you could do well they're not that simple but little things that you could do to make more power and make your engines and whether it's turbocharged whether it's diesel whether it's gas what have you and i'll break that down so that's what we're going to do so we're going to be hot rodding our farm equipment today and that is what the show is going to be about so let's start all righty the first thing that i want to talk about is the cylinder head <clears throat> 
Now you have to remember that the cylinder head on any engine, I don't care whether it's a lawn tractor, whether it's a chainsaw or whatever it may be. Well, maybe a chainsaw is a, well, chainsaw also is fine, but whatever. Last time I said chainsaw, I got in trouble, right? Because uh, there was a fuel-injected chainsaw and the, the listener reminded me, I didn't want well, told me, didn't remind me. So anyway, but so you have, to, you have to take the cylinder head off. And usually if you have to take the cylinder head off, that means the head gasket failed or the head cracked. So let's assume that the head gasket failed because if the head is cracked, then obviously we're going to need to have to weld that head and get a different head, but this could still apply. But if you have the cylinder head off any engine, the easiest, the least expensive way to make us make substantially more power and whatever, and what is the substantial, I would say 10 to 10 to 20% more power would be to open up have the bowls opened up in the cylinder head and now the bowl if you have the cylinder head laying let's say in a workbench and you have the valves towards you whether it's a diesel or whether it's a gas engine if it's a gas engine the combustion chamber would be there if it's a diesel engine historically the head will be flat all right the deck surface will be flat the valve face will be part of the deck surface so but the area from the port down to the valve whether it's intake or exhaust and where, where the port becomes round to mat to meet the valve is called the bowl b-o-w-l the bowl area of the valve of the of the cylinder head of the port now the bowl area has the valve angles either cut in it or has an insert depending upon the design what is called the seat where the valve closes against the seat well that area right there historically has a is a has a restriction in it so it becomes smaller and then larger and if you blend the angle blend from the last angle of the seat into the bowl and smooth that out and make it make it uniform so it has no ridge there that is called blending the bowls or doing a bowl job if you if you talk to anyone who does cylinder head porting work then that is the cheapest the easiest and the largest gain in airflow into the engine and thus more horsepower more more torque better throttle response and ultimately lots of times even better fuel economy because the engine is becoming more efficient so what i'm suggesting if you have to have the head off off for some reason that you bring it to now here's another caveat that we have to attach to this that you have to go to a machine shop i don't care whether it's a diesel off a john deere it makes no difference or if it's off your lawn tractor you have to go to a machine shop that is familiar with doing cylinder head work and i don't mean grinding valves and putting new guides in performance work hot rod work and they could go in there with a die grinder and they're going to be experienced it's usually only going to cost a few hundred dollars a cast iron head is going to be more expensive to do a little bit to do a bowl job than an aluminum head simply because cast iron grinds slower but you if you have a if you have a head shop a machine shop that is familiar with doing performance work you go in and you talk to them say you want to have a bowl job you want to blend the bowls to get a little bit more power out of this they don't have to spend 10 million hours on it uh the the biggest the biggest gains are going to come quickly and then you're going to work a lot in that bowl area to make a smaller gain on top of that so the the low hanging fruit comes very very quickly now years ago when i always 
feature their products in my Christmas buyer's guide is a company called Goodson. And they make engine built, rebuilding machine shop tools and I would say more tools and fixtures and bits and stuff like that. And many years ago, they had a fixture called a bowl hog, B-O-W-L hog, and it was great. And you, the machine shop was able to put it in. They were made to different sizes. And it was almost, it was almost like a cylinder head version of, of, of a hole saw right but it was not not a whole saw and it would go in there and you'd be able to if you if you sized it properly you go in there on the what they call a machine called a head shop and maybe not that quickly but you'd be able to to blend the balls very easily without doing it with a hand grinder sadly they don't make the ball hog anymore but you may find the machine shop that has it. If not, the, the the machinist will go in there with a with a die grinder, and they'll they'll open up that bowl area, and they'll contour it so the airflow goes right into this right into the angle of the f- first angle of the seat of the valve, and then they will do a valve job on top of that. You will be surprised whether it's a gasoline engine, whether it's a diesel, whether it's your whatever it is, right? Your irrigation pump engine. You do a bowl job on how you're going to wake that engine up because you're going to and the, the beauty part about it is not you you're not going to hurt anything you're not going to need to refuel it to uh, change the fuel curve you're not going to need to do anything that cylinder head is going to bolt right on and it's everything is going to line up it's the same cylinder head by just blending those bowls and big 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 job matter of fact the big big game matter of fact years ago in the 60s and 70s when the car companies used to send well like a performance car like a corvette or a 442 or a gtx to a magazine to test they would they would call them ringers because what they would do is they would pull the heads off and they would blend the bowls and do a better valve job which i'm going to talk about and they would put it back together and by, by blending those bowls all of a sudden you know this car had 30 40 50 more horsepower so very very it's a great way inexpensive way a few hundred dollars would probably cost you to blend those bowls and but the caveat then again being you need to go to a machine shop that is familiar with porting a cylinder head and it's a bowl job or bowl blending is what you want the next thing is that you're going to have to do a valve job so if you have a cylinder head off even if you don't want to blend the bowls for some for any reason it's probably prudent for you to do a valve job but if you're going to do have the cylinder head off and you're going to blend the bowls go one step further and have a competition style valve job or what they call a multi-angle valve job a three to five angle valve job on there and what that is going to do is that from the factory most cylinder heads very have very crude angles and the angle on the valve and on the seat where the valve closes against is going to steer the air and be paramount in affecting the flow of the cylinder head now historically what's going to happen is that because the valve doesn't bang open it rides the lobe of the cam has a lifter and whether a push rod or a cam follower if it's an overhead cam or what have you some intermediate component that acts against the valve then pushes it open so that valve opens up opens up i don't want to say gradually but it doesn't bang all the way open right away so the thing is at low lift is just as the cam is starting to open the valve the valve angles are paramount 
paramount, paramount to the amount of flow that is going, the valve, that port is going to see at low lift. And that is going to make a huge difference. So you do a bowl job and you do a bowl job and a a better valve job of what we would call a multi-angle valve job, at least three angles, sometimes four to five angles, all right, depending upon what the what the, the shop is familiar with. And if they do that, and you will put that engine back together, whether it's on a farm tractor, whether it's on a combine, you're not <laughs> whether it's in your pickup truck, whatever it may be, your lawn tractor, and you're gonna go in there and all of a sudden you say, My God, this thing really per- really really picked up so if you so hey if you have to have this on the head off you have the time it's not like man i gotta get this thing back together tomorrow is that you do a bowl blending and you do a multi-angle valve job from a shop that you or that is familiar with some race work some performance work tractor pull shop it doesn't when i say it doesn't have to be race could be tractor pull guy but the thing basically is a shop that is familiar with because if the shop is not familiar with it then that's that's not the place for you to get this they'll mess it up and they won't even know uh they wouldn't know where to begin with it all right next thing all right we have to have it apart whenever you have to have an engine apart if you take if it's a diesel then what i suggest that you do is bring those injectors slash nozzles to a good injection shop and i've said this the pump shop and i said this many times on the show is that you should have build a relationship with a good pump shop and let them go through those nozzles and clean them and set them up and balance them out so if it's a pump line nozzle system so that they have the same pop open pressure and you'll be surprised also now you're not going to have the bowl job and the multi-angle valve job will give the engine more power than it left the factory with and what the balancing out the the nozzles on a pump line not pln system pump line nozzle system is not going it's going to give it's going to give it's going to give you the power the engine was designed to have it that makes sense it's not going to give you more power it may give you more power if yours were out of balance but it's going to give you the power that the engine was designed to have and you'd be surprised how much nicer it'll run how cleaner it'll run start easier idle smoother be very very nice so then again you know if you have it apart and those nozzles are laying there go to a pump a good pump shop and let them go through it and then also if you happen to have for whatever reason the injection pump apart let them go through that also but if the pump and you know this is then again you know we have lemons let's make lemonade if you have to have the the nozzles out for some reason send them to a shop let them go through it and then on an efi engine electronic fuel injection engine a gasoline engine same thing you're not going to take them apart because they don't come apart like a pump line nozzle diesel but there's most most diesel shops most fuel system or pump shops will now also service electronic injectors and what they basically do and this is for gasoline is they'll ultrasonically clean them they'll do a spray pattern test on it they'll do a flow test on it if they're they'll ultrasonically clean them there's a little screen in there they'll change the screen they'll put new o-rings they may put a new if it has a diffuser cap on the end of it they'll do that it's about 25 or 30 40 dollars an injector it's not very expensive and it does and if you have the injectors out of that engine for some reason for you to put it back whether it's a diesel or whether it's a gas and put it back without servicing those is like buying new shoes and putting old shoelaces in it 
All right, forget about it. You have it apart now. She said, "I got to get this. Up. I got to get this, up, you know, fixed, you know, by tonight." And I took it apart this afternoon. Obviously, that's not going to happen. So, as I said in the beginning of the show today, that these are things that when you have time to do. All right. The next thing is it because we're hot rod farmers. And I, you know, I'm going to break away for a second here because I should have said this in the beginning. Is that you know I always say that you don't want to modify the piece of equipment that you make your living with. So in other words, you don't want to, you don't want to hot rod your everyday car. You don't want to hot rod your combine. But the things that I'm suggesting are upgrades. Now you have to keep in mind is that you're just like if you were to look at a pesticide label or something, you'll say, well, this is not labeled on for sweet corn. And 90% of the time, it just means they didn't test it for, on sweet corn. It doesn't mean it's going to kill you or kill a sweet corn, all right? But then obviously, you know, in those instances, we don't go off label because we don't know why they wrote that. But when you get into the engineering community, even though, you know, I've said this so many times is that I have the utmost respect for the for the test protocols that the automobile industry, the farm equipment <clears throat> industry does as, as far as the equipment is concerned. And they always build a cushion into it. But lots of times as an engineer, they become frustrated because they, they're using a part or they're using something because the bean counters said this is what we have to use because we have we have this already or we use this on XYZ and we don't want to have another one build another one so we're going to use this and I've you know I've, I've told this story before and for those that are new to the show a good friend of mine Pat Bear well good I mean I haven't I have a good friend but I haven't spoke to him for a number of years we just for no particular reason we just our lives took a different direction and i mean it was a great guy great guy and he's a was a development engineer for chrysler he did their nascar cylinder head team and you know and and he did this the four valve cylinder head on the neon years ago when it came out he actually did the he actually did the original 12 valve um i mean 24 valve coming cylinder head that he actually did that for Cummins as a side project. So anyway, real good airflow guy, just real great guy. Anyway, so back 25 years ago, Chrysler said, well, we, we, we want to have 100 horsepower per liter normally aspirated engine in a neon. And a liter is about 60 cubic inches. So if you had a two-liter engine, it would be a 200 horsepower. But we want to normally aspirate. We don't want a turbocharger on them. So they Pat went to work to do the ports and do the cylinder head for that particular deal. And then, but to get that kind of horsepower, he needed to spin it to higher RPM. And then they, you know, like anything corporate, you have all these meetings and what have you, and usually nothing gets done. And they tell the guy, go take that hill, metaphorically. And he come up with the design. Oh, no, we can't do it. It's going to cost too much money. Anyway, so what happens, they're at this meeting. He's at this meeting, and he's got this cylinder head that will make the 100 horsepower per liter pass emissions be great. But to do that, I forgot. what I think he had to spin it like 7,600 RPM. I, I was up, It was up there. And, you know, the water pump guy starts screaming, you can't spin my water pump that fast. It's going to cavitate. And then the alternator guy goes, you can't spin my alternator that fast. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow apart inside. The solder's going to come off the rotor. Right, so Pat is saying, well, well, why don't we just tweak what we need to do to the water pump, you know, fix the water pump and fix the alternator so I could spin this sucker at 7,600 and make the 100 horsepower per liter. Well, no, that's going to cost too much money, so we're not going to do it. So the thing is that I'm trying to say to you, the 
the the suggestions that I'm making today on this episode of Idle Chatter are not going against engineering protocols. These are the designs that the engineers most likely would have wanted and said, this is what I want this cylinder head to flow. This is what I want this to be. This is what I want the, this turbocharger to be. And they got shot down. So I just want you to know the things that I'm suggesting. I'm not going to blow up your motor. You're not going against my mantra of you don't modify your daily driver or hot rod your daily driver or the piece of equipment that you make your living with. But these are bringing it to what the engineers originally wanted it to be, but they got shot down. That makes sense. So talking about getting shot down, now let's talk about turbo upgrades. So if you have a... <clears throat> a piece of farm equipment or a pickup truck or whatever it may be with it with a turbocharger let's stick with farm equipment and then for some reason the turbocharger failed or wore out i don't i hate to use the word fail or wore out or whatever it needs to be replaced all right and then again if you have the time the thing is that the the science of turbocharging is really unbelievable we did the, they did the show last week about fluid dynamics and computational flow flow and dynamics and what have you so the thing is that the, the science of turbocharging and it's really not so much with the volute on either the in on either the compressor or the turbine side it's more with the with the actual what we would call the wheel the turbine wheel or the uh, or the uh, or the compressor wheel but there is so much advancements in turbochargers so the thing is that if you have to take the turbocharger apart for some reason or the turbocharger is worn out and you need and it's a prime opportunity for you to upgrade that turbocharger but then again the caveat being is that you need to speak to a shop that is very familiar with modifying and hot rodding turbochargers but you could do a little bit of work to that turbocharger stuff they have to go through it they're going to have to balance it always have it balanced all right not just buy a kit and put it in there always have it balanced and a fine balance you could put better bearings in. you could put ceramic ball bearings in it all right you could put a change it and you they call it trim t-r-i-m on the on the on the wheels so you could and you could put a different trim wheel on the compressor side or the turbine side what have you but these guys who do this all the time you bring them in you know it could be a whole set turbocharger it could be a garrett turbocharger it could be a borg warner and you know, so i'm not saying that you change the turbocharger as far as having a different flange a different mounting no 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 you're taking if you have a garrett then you're putting the same model garrett back on but it's hot rod it's tweaked inside and by doing that you're going to make more power lots of times also you'll have actually lower charge air temperatures and more efficiency and that engine you're not boosting the heck out of it and and, and then popping a head gasket there's you're not boosting it so much and the thing is that it's not so much even the maximum boost it's the it's the rate of gain of the boost and the response of those wheels on the shaft to the exhaust speed so the thing so you will come over there and you will have a turbocharger and you're not going crazy you're not and you're building a drag race motor or a tractor pull motor but i without without exception that i am aware of 
that you could very easily and inexpensively, if you have to take the turbocharger apart because you're already there, you're already having new bearings put in, what have you, and changing those wheels, rebalancing it, putting a better bearing in it, even if you don't put a ceramic bearing in it, just changing those wheels, tweak it a little bit, the same housing, the same style goes right back in the same place, and you will be surprised. You pick up 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 horsepower on a piece of farm equipment running no more boost no more anything just by the responsiveness of that turbocharger and the better the higher quality of the air that's going to be putting in the cylinder because it's not going to be beating it up as much so so like i say there's a lot of good turbo guys and you want to tweak it a little bit to make a little bit more power but then again i'm, I'm repeating it that power will usually come with a higher level of efficiency and lower exhaust gas temperatures. So it's 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 a win-win situation, and it's probably the the hair dryer that the engineer wanted. But we got we got these left over from when we were building backhoes. We got to use this. Now, it's only a farm track. It's only a combine. The guy don't care. Well, all right. So just think about that. Next thing is that since we're on turbochargers, that if something happens to your intercooler and you have to take the intercooler off and have and replace that that there's his his then again historically there are the biggest thing with intercooler is the efficiency the 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 heat exchange efficiency of the of the core there are very 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 efficient cores out there and much more efficient historically than what came from the factory. They have they, they, the air side of the core flows better. The internals of the core flows flows better. And it's going to engineering. We use the term the envelope. It's going to fit in the same envelope. So the thing is that just like you could recore a radiator, right? Then you could take the tanks off and recore. Right? You could recore a turb a, a intercooler. So I'm not saying go from air to air to liquid. I'm not saying hot rod stuff. I'm saying making it more efficient. And I believe the company was Blackstone. Uh, they made a great core. There's a lot of great cores out there. But then again, you need to go to a turbocharger. If you go into the, you know, if you go into the dealer, whatever brand track you have, he's not going to know anything about this. No, no, no. The book says this is the one that goes in there. So, and then again, the caveat being we're going to use the same tanks. We're going to use the same mountings. All right. We're going to, we're not going to make the core different. We're not going to make the core bigger, wider, longer, and have to drill holes. And now it doesn't fit in the combine. We're not doing that. We're putting a more efficient core in there. And there is so much out there today with the diesel world, with the drag race world, with the tractor pulling world. You'd be surprised with a little bit of effort between the turbo, if you happen to have it off the turbocharger and the core and you do the, the, the bowl job, if you happen to have that all apart. And sometimes you do, right? Because if you have to pull a head off, you may have the turbocharger off. So who knows? I mean, so you, you know, you, you, you're putting a little bit more money in this, but you're not putting that much more because you can have a repair anyway. So you're making it better. So it's like putting seed in the hopper, putting fertilizer, right? In the, in, the, in the furrow and doing whatever you need to do and getting more yield. So you're getting more yield. And with the turbocharger and the intercooler, you could run the same boost level and you're going to have less temperature 
lower exhaust gas temperatures, lower charge air temperatures, the engine is going to become more fuel efficient. It's going to become more responsive. It's just going to do everything. Because remember, I've said this many times, inside an engine, there's every engine, there's thermal losses, there's pumping losses, and there's frictional losses. And basically, hot rotting is just minimizing those losses. I don't care whether it's a drag race car or a tractor pull or a DAS car or dirt track, or road race, whatever it may be, you're just minimizing those losses. So it's like you saying, I'm planting, you know, well, I, we plant 20,400 seeds per acre with my population sweet corn. But if I'm planting 20,400 seeds per acre, if I could do something, if I could do something to increase my yield, well, that's what you're doing, you're increasing the yield of the engine. So think about that. Next thing I want to introduce to you guys and it's something that you may have heard of or not heard of it's called abrasive flow machining a afm abrasive flow machining and there's a company called extrude hone there may be others back 25 years ago when i had my engine shop i used extrude hone before i did the show they're still in business they have a couple of different facilities and it's used a lot excuse me in manufacturing it's used in in hot rotting it's used in biomedical equipment it's it's used in aerospace industry and we used to call it power putty and it's a putty uh, uh, that they push through a piece of a part let's say and what it what it does it removes material so if you have then again you have the exhaust manifolds off right you could run extrude hone through this. You, I mean, you couldn't do it. You have to send it out. You run extrude hone through this exhaust manifold. And what it's going to do, it's going to take off any flash. It's going to make it smoother. And you could also say to them, hey, I want a gasket match this. I want to make it a little bit bigger. I want to make it, make it a little bit bigger to match the gasket. But even if you just run the the abrasive flow media through these parts you'd be surprised how you'll pick up flow where i started to get involved with it was with the uh, the early fuel injection systems like the mustang 50s the gm tune ports they had these long runner intake manifolds that were all cast and you couldn't port them but with this with this power putty with this extrude on you could look them up extrude hone there may be other companies that's the company i'm familiar with abrasive flow media and i mean even if you had something that's a i can't think of offhand like something on a combine or would have not even talking about an engine or you had a uh if anybody's a, a a gun a gunsmith or works with guns they do the barrels with the extrude home but anyway the thing is that it allows you to get in there very inexpensively so you have a set of exhaust manifolds you extrude hone those and you'll be surprised then again how much flow it's going to pick up and you're minimizing those pumping losses on the exhaust stroke on the what on, on the what they call a pumping loop same thing on the intake path you have this engine apart all right and it's a gas engine diesel engine it's got a long runner intake manifold has a cast manifold whether it's a diesel or whether it's a um, gas engine you extrude hone this and 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 just clean up those ports and maybe slightly make them big you don't have to make them bigger all right you just run the power putty through them and smooth them and clean them and you pick up all of this airflow and then again like i say you know a hot rod engine whether it's a you know whether it's a, a no matter type of hot to make power you have to have efficiency and and so everything that i'm telling you today is going to improve the efficiency 
of your engines. Now, if you choose to use that efficiency and say, well, I'm going to go through the field at 12 miles an hour, Paul, in the planter instead of 10, because now I have another 80 horsepower and I'm not putting using it. Well, yeah, well, then, then you're going to use more fuel because you're going to be going faster. So you need to make more horsepower to go faster. But the thing is that I'm emphasizing it, I'm beating you to death with this, is that the things that I'm suggesting are going to make the engine more efficient and a, and a more efficient engine is a happier engine. It's a more reliable engine and a more economical engine to run extrude honing probably an exhaust manifold or something maybe about 250 300 you could talk to them and see what you could do to turbocharger housing you'd be surprised all right so you look at your farm and see what you have maybe there's a piece of farm equipment that you have apart and there's a there's a passage through it all right then and you don't have to go crazy and extrude hone everything but if you do the airflow side of even the exhaust side like the exhaust manifold all right big big difference and the last thing that i'm going to finish off here is with coatings with a thermal barrier coating uh there's a there's a shop that i've dealt with um uh, swain technologies up in in, in uh, scottsville new york outside of rochester there's a lot of snake oil dealers in the coating business let me tell you that uh, we got this stuff with spray it on there it's going to keep the thermal no no the, the, i'm not saying there's not other good people out there but but uh but swain tech coating up in scottsville new york i mean you just send them the parts i mean the stuff that i would recommend is their white coating it's not pretty all right actually was they both dan swain and his brother are actual uh chemists and they developed this coating they used to work for kodak and they developed this coating and it's used by the navy and jet blast jet blast deflectors on aircraft carriers it's a white coating it comes on a little bit little bit grainy it's not pretty but unbelievable does that keep the heat in there that stuff is killer 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 it's unbelievable so you have the exhaust manifold off for some reason you don't want to extrude hone it right so you put the thermal barrier coating on the thermal the turbocharger housing you don't want to do anything but you have you have it apart you do the thermal barrier coating on it and what the thermal barrier coating does like on an exhaust manifold is keeps the heat in so number one as i started the show today you have less heat soak because you're keeping the heat in the manifold and letting it go out the pipe instead of radiating more underneath the hood but more importantly if you could keep that heat in on a turbocharge applications it's going to spool up quicker be more be more responsive and you're actually going to evacuate the cylinder better because the heat is not not going to it's called thermal inertia i've used that many times that term many times in the show is that ther- if you if it's if you know the heat's not gonna say well, let me stop over here and, and and migrate into this casting it's it's going to be insulated so the heat because remember hot wants to go to cold so if you put this thermal barrier coating a, a true thermal barrier coating not a make nice pretty thermal barrier coating but a true thermal barrier coating like this white coating i forgot what they call that swain tech has and like i said there may be other people around there around that do do a real good have a truly efficient coating but you have to look into that um is that unbelievable what i used to do is when i had my shop i used to do uh well some harley well, i didn't do harley i did some stuff for some harley customers I, my friend mark spencer who i did a on the road park he's the harley guy but what we do is we would cut the exhaust pipe 
coming out of a Harley, all right, and we would we would just hinge it, and I would send it up to Swain, and he would coat the inside of the exhaust pipe, and then we would cut, weld the pipe back together, grind the weld, and then do a ceramic coating, which has very little thermal barrier properties. It's more an appearance coating. has some do with thermal barrier coating, I mean, a ceramic coating on the outside, if you'd had a good ceramic coating and looked like chrome and you wouldn't see where we cut and weld with the pipe, I mean, you could go with a Harley and <laughs> you could practically almost grab the grab the pipe coming out of the head. That's how efficient this white coating was from Swain Tech. So check that out. But, you know, given the opportunity, you have something apart, you have the time. I'm going to recap very quickly. All right. So bold job, bold job and multi-angle valve job on the cylinder, not costly, big, huge improvement in power efficiencies. All right. You're going to service the injectors if they're apart, gasoline or diesel. If the pump happens to have to come out, send the pump out to a shop, let it go through. They could play with that also a little bit, but even if you want to play with it, just make sure it's, it's, it's right on the money turbocharger upgrade if the turbo has to be replaced for some reason there's a lot of upgrades that you could do to that same family of turbochargers so it bolts right on that you could put adjustable wastegate actuator on it there's a lot of things you could do change the turbine wheel change the compressor wheel it would be like changing the tires i mean you couldn't do it have it finely balanced maybe better bearings and whatever you want to do but it's going to make that turbocharger a lot more efficient and in turn that engine more efficient all right uh more efficient intercooler so like i'm saying you know none of this stuff has either has failed or has to come off so like i'm not saying let's go and start ripping the combine apart and putting better intercoolers on and importing the cylinder head i'm saying for some reason you have to take that off and or it's already failed and you have to replace it i'm repeating that ad nauseum through the show extrude hone it's x-t-r-u-d-e-h-o-n-e you could look them up do an internet search it's an uh, it's abrasive flow machining that's what they call that media it's abrasive flow machining they we used to call it a slang power putty stuff works great like anything you need a good operator on the machine stuff works great but it's a very cost effective way to be able to clean up a passage that you can't have no access to and then you could do a thermal barrier coating on exhaust manifolds turbocharger housings make sure you use a a you're not going for appearance you're going for function and as i was saying dan swain up at swain tech coatings in uh in scottsville new york outside of rochester unbelievable coating unbelievable not pretty but unbelievable unbelievable your engine will love you for it all right so if you have any questions on this please reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and we are not going to do a toolbox test today because i did not get a chance to write a new test and i've been using some old tests and i don't really want to do that and hopefully god willing that i will have a new test up by next week's show and then we can get back at into that routine but uh, before we because so many people like it we got to play texture benowitz because he's a hot rod man and we're we're talking about hot rodding today right hey you have lemons make lemonade baby Yeah, ready. 
Thank you so much, Tex from Ripsaw Records. So many people like that song, to tell you the truth. I never get tired of hearing it. I'm blessed that uh, the Ripsaw Records and Tex Rubinowitz allowed me to use it on my radio show and on my podcast. All right, so we have a letter here, and it is from Jeremy. And he goes, hi, my name is Jeremy, and I want to ask you a question about my 2003 Duramax. Is it true that I have to change, if I have to change the injectors, I need to reprogram the ECU? Thank you. All right, Jeremy, well, thanks so much for listening to the show and for writing in. Respectfully, you didn't give me a lot of information. So I do not know whether you're changing the injectors because they are, uh, are tired they're worn out and they're not flowing properly or you're upgrading an injector and i hate to use the word upgrading but you're going to a higher flow injector because you're hot rotting this pickup this Duramax. i'm assuming that it's in a pickup truck unless you swapped it into something else all right so the thing is that but to answer your question and then you could get back to me at hot rod farmer farm machinery digest.com and open up the dialogue and we could continue this that but to answer your question yes the the piezoelectric piezo uh injectors that are on a duramax and on other engines but specifically you know we're talking about duramax here so i don't want to talk about anything else is that when they make those injectors they flow them and they give them a code they give them a, like a serial number code on there and then what happens is that when you change those injectors you have to write down the code on each injector and identify it for the cylinder cylinder number one so number two cylinder seven cylinder eight and you would not be able to do this i mean you could change the injectors obviously the dealer would need it because you need special software and then what you would do is you would interface with the gm ecu and then it's going to have a table in that ecu that's going to that you're going to have to put the serial number for each injector in in its proper location so it'll have a chart in there a table and i'll say and you put the serial number for for this one for cylinder number one cylinder two cylinder three cylinder four because they they so finitely control the fuel is that they need to compensate and know what the exact flow rate is so if this let's i'm making up a number so if this number on this injector is abc one two three they know it flows on the high side of the spec or the low side of the spec and, you know years ago a lot of people didn't know that that holly had that with carburetor jets they had a three number jet so it was like it was like it was like a, if, instead of a 70 number 70 jet would be a number 700 so that meant it flowed dead nuts on what a 70 jet would, would flow if it was 701 then it was on the low side of the flow specification if it was 702 it was on the high side so they're very very particular about the calibration and the response of that injector and the flow rate so to answer your question yes that is what you're supposed to do do a lot of people do it no they don't know they're supposed to do it. a lot of gm dealers don't know they're supposed to do it but that ecu needs to know the serial number of each injector and its location in the engine and that's why you see a lot of these duramax starting to haze when people change injects a little bit of a haze of smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe it's it, it's very very finite it's very finite and that is the proper way to do it so I mean, you could change the injectors copy down the numbers make yourself a chart 
this number is going into zone, the one this number is going to zone, the two the serial number, and then bring that to the dealer, and they would be able to plug, and they're going to charge you for that, and you'd be able, and they would get that right, and it would be right on the money, and then you would really, truly have a great, great running little Duramax. All right, so, you know, the thing basically is that before we get ready to close here, you know, everything in life is a double-sided sword, and the more power, the more fuel economy, the, the reduced emissions that that all of these modern engines, whether farm equipment or cars or trucks or what have you, that we're seeing is that it just means that you have to carry everything to the higher to the highest level. So it's just like a high yield farmer, he can't just ah, throw some N P and K out there and let it go some manure. We got a lot of manure out there to heck with it and let it grow. Yeah, it's green. It's made an ear. So that's not the case anymore. So it so there's this level of complexity that comes with this high performance of these engines and farm equipment today. You know, whether it's a rotor in a combine, you know, whether it's a, you know, <laughs> in a combine head, whether, you know, it's a sprayer pump or what have you, is that to get this level of performance is that it's, and they're really, you know, they're all hot rotted now. I mean, really, they are. They're hot-rotted. I mean, using the term hot-rotted because they're, they're for high performance. So whether that high performance is a pump or that high performance is to have a, you know, if, you, if you have a, let's say, a you know, small grain head in a combine and that head has a, you know, like an air bar or an air reel on it, has a design to, minim, to, to, to minimize, you know, harvest loss, to, to, to minimize all the problems that come up when you're harvesting, that is a high-performance piece of equipment so you don't think of high performance as just a race car or a tractor pull and that's what i was trying to say to you with this show is that high performance means a high level of efficiency and if it's an engine it's a high level of efficiency of converting chemical to mechanical en energy if it's a combine right head then it's a high level of efficiency and there's not shadow loss we're not putting a lot of a lot of crop on the ground it's getting it's getting into the auger and into the hopper that is high performance so as an industry as a community we need to take out of our mind that high performance is smoking the tires and rolling coal no high performance means it's a high level of efficiency so i want to thank you so much all for listening today and if you have any questions on this whatsoever please feel free to reach out to me and know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america and i'll be thinking all you guys and i'm riding that beautiful new massey ferguson 8s you have a blessed day take care bye bye